Good morning. It's time to talk about Sack City Podcast, which is now sponsored by Manscaped. The best thing for your sack since sliced? Well, sacks. Keep your sack smooth with the new Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for those bushy sacks. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant for those smelly sacks. And take care of those extra sacks with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Not to mention some performance boxer briefs and a travel sack to put your goodies in. Manscaped is a sack leader with over 6 million worldwide who trust this product. That's roughly 12 million sacks. So join them with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com. That's promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Order your sack saver now and show your sack the love it deserves. Manscaped. Got Bush? Welcome in to another edition of the Sac City Podcast. Who's this guy down? You know what, AJ, I love you and all. But starting the show off, it's not introducing your boy. It's the smoothest voice in sports casting. Back on the show again. Thought we fired him. We brought him back in. He looks like he's in a fog <laughs> or a mist of a room, but it doesn't matter. It's your boy, Oh, <laughs> Dylan Kurtz himself. Dylan, what's up, buddy? You know, hearing that chime just got me excited. Like, I was like, wow, it's been a hot minute. Not that I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to cap. I don't watch much of the show when I don't, when <sighs> I got right? I'm logging, Aaron knows, like, it's, we're logging hours. Granted, you're an extremist. Like, you're logging 80, you're doing your thing, and you watching, and you clipping. I don't know how you're living, bro. I would, like, that's a, that's a lot. But what I'm saying right here, I'm glad that you didn't cut me out of the intro to this. Because I love being here and I love talking. <laughs> and I love talking football. AJ, I haven't seen you in like years. You're like taking jobs and shit. Like this is awesome. Could you imagine if we played the intro and Dylan wasn't in it and his face just got real sad? Like, I mean, <laughs> come on, buddy, you're you're not out of the intro. You're you're you know this is uh this is a band of brothers here. Um, but also alongside it again, I'm your host, Aaron Mixaibi, and alongside your boy, everybody's boy, his boy, her boy, yeah, all the boys. AJ Johnson. Uh, Vinny is out again. Vinny is making the cross-country trip or up the coast to Connecticut. Got a cat problem. No, he's got a he's got a cat problem. Whatever. Like I know Vinny's gonna handle his business. We're gonna be okay. But we are here still today. We are talking. Uh, yes, we're talking to Cincinnati. Who day? Yeah, who day? Uh, so we got we got a lot. We 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 really do got a lot going on. Um, Dylan, since you are on the show today, we haven't given you any background. You don't know what we're doing. I do need you to put your power rankings into the chat, the private chat, for the Bengals and the Steelers, where you have them ranked 1 to 32. Uh, and we'll get those uh, updated once Vinny's back on the show, hopefully tomorrow night, um, for everybody that's out there. You're just tuning in. We've been previewing each game from week one. We are now getting down to the last few games here before we start uh, the season. So it's getting really exciting. And today we have, today we have the Bengals and the Steelers. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But first, 
Before we get into all of that, we obviously got to do our special morning headline. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. That's right. It's time for our it's morning so headlines. <laughs> Dylan's just mind blown. Uh, morning headlines. Let's let's talk first. We talked about this last night or yesterday. Cut down day. Alex Leatherwood gone. Um, gets claimed by one team. One team claimed him. And, you know, the more I thought about this, I'm like, makes sense. The one team that really needs offensive line really, really bad. And that was the Chicago Bears. So the Chicago Bears were the one team that claimed Alex Leatherwood off of waivers. So he goes there. Uh, the Texans signed Tyler Johnson. I thought that was big. Talked about him being cut by the Buccaneers because of Julio and the weapons they have there. 49ers released Trey Sermon. And again, these are things that have happened since we've gone over the cutdowns. Um, today, a big trade. Eagles trade Kalen Rager to the Vikings, and we'll get into that in a minute, for a fourth and a seventh round pick. And then another guy we talked about maybe possibly signing, Sony Michelle goes to the Chargers. This speaks to exactly what I was talking about with Isaiah Spiller. They're not too fond of what he's been doing, and he's banged up. Um, you go get Sony Michelle, a veteran. I think Sony will slide into that number two running back role behind Austin Eckler and probably get some run eventually. Um, AJ, I'll yeah. start with you. Out of, the, out of those headlines from, from this morning, what stood out to you the most? Yeah, so for me, it's got to be the Alex Leatherwood situation. And, you know, this is something we talked about. Uh, the Raiders were they, – they couldn't make it work, and it's time for him to go. He's still a young, talented guy. And if there was a team that, you know, I think could make something out of it, not because they're known for doing it, this is a whole new regime, but the Chicago Bears are young, and they need help. So now you get to come back in. You get to try to be that – that anchor, that star, uh, that that highlight piece of that offensive line. And who knows, maybe that's the issue. Maybe having all that pressure is what set him back. But I think in a culture change, in the direction that the Chicago Bears are trying to head, to have him come in and they really start to set the standard with him, if they can get it all settled down and show him, hey, man, we brought you in. You're not going to fail this time. We're not going to, we're not going to take it any easier on you because you're a first round pick. We're not going to take it any easier on you because we ran out and got you the moment you were, uh, you were clearing waivers. So um, I think the fact that he's going somewhere with the expectations also for the entirety of the team aren't so high. Uh, I think it's a good place for him to reset, try to get his mentality right and see if he can start being that first round uh, talent that we know he was capable of being. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of a, uh, what do we have to lose other than they're paying a salary type thing? It's a first-round pick, quote, maybe a first-round talent. We all think he probably shouldn't have been a first-round pick, but he was drafted in the first round. I think this is kind of a risk-free type of move here. Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't think he's going to be good in Chicago because I don't think he's that good of a lineman, uh, and I think they'll eventually see that. But if for right now, I thought, you know what, if one team is going to take a flyer on a guy who maybe had some upside, it's Chicago because they really do need that offensive line help. The only other team I thought maybe would take a chance was Atlanta. Uh, but I also thought they might wait and let him try to clear and then just sign something, sign him if, if he was still available. But Chicago's the one who took the chance. Uh, but, but yeah, I know you cover certain things, Mr. Dillon, but I want you to cover Jalen Rager. And I want you to talk about Jalen Rager being traded to the Vikings. Um, kind of, I don't want to use the word ironic. I know Gus Ramsey hates that, but he was taken one spot before Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, and now you have him joining Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. Uh, does this move the needle as far as Jalen Rager's career, uh, new change of scenery, and do you think Minnesota will be able to kind of 
acclimate him into their offense. Maybe he gets some sort of spark into his career. You know what he is, Aaron? I'm going to use your phrase. He's a jag. He's just another guy. I mean, you honestly look at this team. Obviously, he's probably the fourth wide receiver on that team. You got Thielen, you got Jefferson, you got K.J. Osborne who looked good last year. He's probably slides into that four, which is nice because Minnesota hasn't had the most uh, well, they haven't had the most depth at the wide receiver position. You've been throwing B.C. Johnson out there and Chad Beebe and these other scrub scrub nuggets that have just tried to play the hey, position. B.C. was nice. And no, he's not. Come on. He caught him scrub like, nuggets. <laughs> yeah, scrub nuggets. That's what they are. But, I mean, they've always had one or two. It's been Diggs, Thielen, and after that, right? All, all a bunch of crap. Now you get a little bit of depth in there. Not saying you can afford an Adam Thielen injury, but if you do, Osborne slides up. You have someone who is experienced, albeit he's trying for another chance here in uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Rager. But I do like the fit there. I think uh, it helps them out. It gives more depth to that wide receiver room, which has needed a little bit more, and he's a, he's a veteran now that can go in there and absolutely be an extra extra wide receiver. Yeah, I actually did like the move for both teams. I thought Rager needed a change of scenery. I thought, obviously, he worn out his his time in, in Philly talking about where he was supposed to be being a first-round pick. That was never going to come to fruition. Obviously, the the drafting of a Devonta Smith, bringing in an A.J. Brown, you still have Goddard there. Like, there's no room there for Jalen Rager to really flourish. Not that there's room in Minnesota, but you do have an opportunity to be in a new environment, maybe bring a different set of skills to the table. They talked about him using him in the return game, which I actually like. I think he's a pretty good returner. I think that could help him. And then you you kind of sit behind an aging Adam Thielen. Maybe in a couple of years you can find, you know, learn something from him and then you can move on with your career, maybe become something steady in the league. But I thought both teams, it was a good move for both teams, especially since B.C. Johnson did get hurt and he's out for the season. And now you need some more depth in that uh, wide receiver room. And you go you go and get a guy that's been in the league a few years. But um, the only other morning headline I really kind of want to get into is the Tyler Johnson one with the Texans. I I like Tyler Johnson. I thought Tyler Johnson had a lot of upside in Tampa, but they've had so many weapons there. He's never really been able to flourish. And then you talk about him going to a Houston team who lost um, the rookie. Oh, John Mechie. So they they lose Mechie. They don't have a lot of depth. Matter of fact, with Tyler Johnson on the roster, they now have five wideouts who are rostered on their active roster. Just five. And most yeah. teams have five, six, seven, and then they got somebody in the waiting. It's Nico Collins, Brandon Cooks, Chris Moore, Philip Dorsett, and now Tyler Johnson. Ooh. That is a very experienced wide receiver room, despite the names not being big names. Um, outside of mm-hmm. Nico Collins, Chris Moore, Tyler Johnson, and Philip Dorsett have been in the league a few years. They've been on some teams where they've actually won, right? In Tampa, uh, uh, Chris Moore was in uh, Baltimore. And you you talked about, I mean, we've talked about um, Dorsett before. Dorsett's been on a number of teams that have had one season or had good winning seasons. And I think that matters in a room like that to help guys like Nico Collins and young quarterbacks like Davis Mills. I I like what Houston's doing. Yeah. But that depth chart on offense looks mighty thin. Mm-hmm. Like you look at it and it's like two guys, two guys, two guys. And if they, if they have some... Uh-oh. Yeah, it happens every they now and then. They have it some injuries. They're going to be in this thin, but I did like the addition of Tyler Johnson. How did you guys feel about Tyler Johnson? Yeah, I was a fan of it. I thought this was a good move because, really, we were looking at Nico Collins to really take another step forward. And sure, he had some moments in the preseason. We, you can think about the big body catch that he made in the end zone. Some things are going to need. But they didn't have that guy 
that can be a quick hitter, you know, like I'm just out and ready to catch the ball and get a couple different runs. And that's basically what Tyler Johnson did uh, for Tom Brady. Every now and then he would step up and take the deep shot. But this gives another weapon to utilize Davis Mills and a different skill set to utilize. And honestly, I I think he has the opportunity to slot right in there at that number three wide receiver spot from Jump Street. And if that's going to end up being the case, I'm not saying he's going to flourish right away, but this helps him. This helps Davis Mills. Uh, if Damian Pierce can be the guy that you definitely think he's going to be, and a lot of us as well. Uh, that I mean, we're, we're looking at an offense that can be closer to upsetting more teams than they did a season ago. So I really do like the move from the Texans point of going to pick up a Tyler Johnson. Uh, I think that's a smart veteran uh, move right there. Uh, Dylan, uh, I, I will get into this last headline since we have a few minutes. Um, Trey Sermon, talk about him. What did that, how did that kind of play out with the 49ers? What did you feel about that? Was that the right move for them? That's a waste of draft pick. Ooh, I get a big screen here. Um, yeah, this, I mean, that's a waste of draft pick right there. And I, obviously that's the case, but they traded up into the third round, right? They saw something in him and they were like, Hey, we want him so bad. Let's trade up to get him. And they thought that he would be a good fit. He gets there. They don't like him in the preseason last year. He ends up not playing much. Elijah Mitchell seals the show. He starts coming in. Trey Sermon only started two games last year, had 167 total rushing yards on the year, one touchdown, and he's gone after one year. So um, that not really, not really uh, too productive, and they didn't really give him many chances to thrive. He was banged up a little bit. But other than that, this guy was a healthy scratch. He's a press box sitter in a suit, and right now he's, he's jobless. So here's a guy who was potentially going to be a star, not a star, but – a starting running back in this league drafted in the third round to where he could see some time. Now he could be out of the league. Yeah, I'll, I'm okay with you saying a star. Um, third round running backs in today's NFL are supposed to be efficient starting caliber to, to good to great running backs. Like we always look at for first string guys or first round guys to be those guys. But in today's NFL, those guys go later and later, right? Yeah. Those guys in the third, fourth round are usually the running backs. Damian Pierce's, uh, we've had, you know, running backs in the past. Alvin Kamara, second, second, third, and fourth round are usually the guys we end up seeing being the best running backs in football. Um, obviously, if you have your outliers, the Zeke, Saquon, whatever, in the first round, the Najee. McCaffrey, but, Leonard Fournette, without Najee Harris, literally the entire league. <laughs> literally the entire the league. I can name more running backs that were late round picks in the NFL than were top picks in the draft. That are starting running backs. That are starting running backs. You go down the you go down the list. Define go down the list. We can do it right now. We got time. You can start in the <laughs> NFC West. Elijah Mitchell, Cam Akers, James Connor. Why Edwards Alaire? No. Start in the NFC West. I just said it. Rams, okay. Cam Akers, Elijah Mitchell, Rashad Penny. Yep. And 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 James Connor. Rashad Penny was the first. Okay. So you have one. One. Green Bay, you have Aaron Jones. Nope. No, you have Detroit DeAndre Swift. Yep, that was he a second rounder? I think he was a second rounder. Second rounder, second rounder. Pretty sure he was a second uh, rounder. Dalvin Cook. Yep. Yeah. David second Montgomery. Rounder. David Montgomery. Dalvin Cook went. Dalvin Kick went thirty fourth overall in the second round. Leonard Fournette. Yep. I mean, you're one for one in like two yeah. divisions. <laughs> you really yeah. want to go through Who's all? We started with the NFC. No, it doesn't matter because you can you can still go through it. You can talk, no, go to the go to the south. No, go to the south. Go to the south now. New Orleans. Nope. Atlanta. Nope. Carolina. Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Tampa. Then, yep. Tampa. Leonard Fournette. So that's three running backs so far out of twelve teams. Four. 
three out of 12 teams. You have, then you have Zeke and Saquon. That's oh, five. now he starts to get into the good ones. You save Okay, but then you have Antonio Gibson and Miles Sanders. Nope and nope. Right? Then you go to the AFC West. You have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yep, Josh Jacobs. Yep. Josh Jacobs. Then you have Austin yeah, Eckler. Yep. Austin Eckler and Javante Williams, both out of nope. the first round. Cincinnati, Joe Mixon. <laughs> uh, Baltimore, J.K. Dobbins. No. Uh, Cleveland has who? Uh, Nick Chubb. Nick yep. Chubb. And then you have Pittsburgh's Najee Harris. Yep. We can continue to go, but you're not going to no, like it. No, no. You're, you're AFC losing. AFC South is the Indianapolis Colts. Yep. Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor. Nope. Travis Etienne, first nope. rounder. Derrick Henry. Nope. And uh, who else? And then we obviously know uh, Damian Pierce. No. And then in the East, there's nobody. Because you got the Bills, Devin Singletary. Miami is Chase Edmonds. The Jets is Michael Carter and Brees Hall, both second round picks and third round picks. And then uh, the Patriots have nobody. We already. And by the way, Nick Chubb was not a first round pick. I knew he wasn't. So out of 32 teams, we are talking six, seven guys. Less than 10. Less than 10. Most running backs come later in drafts. That's just the way it works. I know we wasted three minutes on that, and that was stupid. (laughs) But I had to prove Dylan wrong on his first episode back because no matter what you do, I always kick your ass. And with that being said, let's get into our injury. And with our injury report, AJ, tell us what what we got going on today. I know it's not a huge injury report. What's our what's our lightning? That's good, man. It's a, it's not only is it not a huge injury report, it's also on the better side of things. We're not talking about people going out for a change. We're talking about people coming back and they're good names, names that are big, names we love, names that'll be necessary, like Darren Waller, who practiced on Tuesday for the first time after battling a hamstring injury. So he's making his way back. We're hoping and looking for him to be ready to go week one at the latest week two. Hopefully by then he'll be 100%. Uh, and then Shaquille, Mr. Darius, once upon a time, Leonard, Mr. Lover of the Shaq Strip, uh, he also practiced Tuesday and is off the PUP list and on the way back. And we know what he means to Indianapolis Colts defense. They are just a completely different animal uh, when he's on the field. So we got two big-name guys coming back from the injury report as we ramp up to week one and uh, some guys who are really some go-getters, some dogs of the NFL. So uh, great injury news, great injury news. I love it when we go in the opposite direction. Yeah, it's always nice. We've got a week now before – a week from today now before, yes, the season, before the season starts. And hopefully we're getting better news as we get closer to week one and people aren't getting hurt in practice. So I expect the injury report to be light for the next couple of days. Just a lot of positive news. Again, we're crossing our fingers for that. Dylan, I got a job for you, though. I do. I got, I, I got a job for you. I need you to go ahead. You, it's been a while. I need you to read them socials, buddy. At Sac City Pod, S A C K S I T Y P O D, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Kenny Babyhand Tickets, showing you at the left, showing you at the right. Sac City Pod, spell it out for uh, Mr. Um, what's it called? Closed captioning purposes, otherwise, you'll get yelled at. Sac City Pod. Follow us on our socials, all of our social platforms. Uh, again, we're dropping content constantly. It's always fun to uh, to have Dylan read those. That was a, an awkward read, but it was a read nonetheless. 
And uh, we will be back right after these this commercial break. And we will get into our season preview with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati. This season preview is brought to you by Manscaped's brand new ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. This luxurious lather cleanses and nourishes in just one step. Using coconut water, green tea, and aloe, this non-greasy daily formula is naturally hydrating and rich in antioxidants to revitalize the look and feel of your hair. So head on over to manscaped.com and use the promo code SACCITY for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. The new ultra-premium 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner from Manscaped. Take care of hair everywhere. That's right. Save 20%. Head over to manscaped.com and get your products now. Use that promo code SAC City and help a brother out. Or should I say, help some brothers out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help your beans out. It is time. The season preview is going to be dope. They won the division. We are going to do their season preview breakdown. We have their offense, their defense. We're going to give you some schedule breakdown and then record predictions and preseason. Rankings. We are not doing odds today. I might just make up some odds on my own, just because our wonderful producer Vincent is out. Um, AJ, I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with Dylan actually on this one. Um, I'm switching it. I know you probably weren't prepared for it, but I don't care. Um, you will figure it out. I'm gonna ask Dylan. I'm gonna ask Dylan. What is the next level for this Bengals offense? So much that you would like to see them hit. We, you know, they get to the Super Bowl last year. What's that next level to put them kind of over? I don't think they need to do anything different on offense. I, need to, I think they need to replicate what they did last year, which was tough to do. That offense put up legit points down the stretch. I mean, they were hitting on, clicking on all cylinders. You had uh, CD, Le- no, oh my God, T. Higgins doing this. Um, <laughs> you had Jamar Chase doing that. I mean, they were all over the place. They had a great run game. But one thing that really stood out to me about this team last year was their ability to stay healthy on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, C.J. Uzama battled a little bit of an injury late into the season. But other than that, I tell you, that entire team, T. Higgins coming off, coming into this year, solid. Tyler Boyd stayed healthy for the most part. And Jamar Chase had himself a great year. And Joe Mixon stayed healthy. Joe Burrow bounced back. Uh, Joe Burr, Joe Burr. He's all over the place, right? That entire squad. That offense was fantastic last year. If anything, they got to try to replicate what they did last year because this year, I don't see much changes. All I see is let's hope we can keep that same offensive firepower and hope our defense is just a tad bit better so we can win a Super Bowl. Now, AJ, is that what you were kind of thinking or did you have something more specific in mind as far as what you want to see from that Bengals offense? So the funny part is that's where I started, you know, like – thinking that if they could replicate it, they'd be in a good spot. Because let's be honest, what they did last year, we didn't expect for it to come, but it was also against a weaker schedule. You know, now they're up against a tougher schedule. If they can be able to level that out and be that be that offensive firepower we saw with all that talented guys, with, with the Jamar Chase putting up 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns with T. Higgins, if he can stay healthy, imagine what happens when he's there for three more games. We watched Joe Mixon hit his career high in rushing at 12, uh, 1,200 yards last season, only at 4.1 yards per carry. Now they go out and they add Ted Karras, they add uh, Kappa, they add Leo Collins. Now you can look at a guy like Joe Mixon and expect his run game to take another step forward. You can expect Joe Burrow to have a little bit more time to throw. If Joe Burrow can keep connecting on the deep ball like he did last season, if I'm not mistaken, it was something like uh, 43%, I think it was, uh, 
if he can do that again, and we've seen one of the biggest jumps from the first year of playing NFL football in the deep ball to the second year that we've seen since like 2013 uh, coming from Joe Burrow. So if he can still have that deep threat and now have the time to do it, this offense will be comparatively similar. And what I mean by that is against the eighth hardest schedule, they can put up the comparative numbers to what they did against weaker teams last season. They're on the way to another decent playoff run. And well, Kansas city will probably be ready for them this time. Um, I, I like where you guys are going with that, but I'm completely baffled. Number one, why you guys didn't mention this guy right here, Eli Apple. And I know we haven't got to the defense yet, but I put that up there precursor. I just want to always mention Eli Apple. Uh, but, but the main thing here is you brought up Joe Burrow. And I think you guys made good points, but I think we left out the main point, which is it is Joe Burrow. But it's not Joe Burrow whether he can improve on his numbers or get better or be better quarterback. It's can that offensive line protect Joe Burrow. I think we all kind of – admit the weakness on this offense was the offensive line. And then they went out and addressed it. They went out and go and get a Lyle Collins, right? And getting the, getting, first of all, those bookend tackles is huge for your, your franchise quarterback. So when you can bring in a Lyle Collins, you can go get a Ted Karras and an Alex Kappa. Now you have Jonah Williams on one side. Now you have a core offensive line that can come out there and protect your franchise quarterback. So you're not in situations where you're worried about Joe Burrow's health. You're worried about the nine sacks he takes in a Tennessee Titans playoff game. You're worried about the Raiders, you know, getting to the quarterback or whatever it is. Um, the Rams in the Super Bowl getting to the quarterback in the most critical times. To me, that's how this offense elevates. The only thing this offense needed to do was cut down on Joe Burrow's turnovers, which I think will happen when he's protected, and create more running lanes for Joe Mixon, who already had really big running lanes. And I think they do that with the offensive line, and I think they, they've addressed that need. As big of a Bengal hater as I am, the offensive side of the football is not where I'm worried. It's on the defensive side of the football. So, AJ, in that sense, on the defensive side of the football, what, what part of this defense needs to step up the most? What part are we still questioning? How do you feel about this, this Bengals defense and where they're at right now as currently? Your key word in that sentence was still. We are still questioning their pass defense. That is where they need to step up. That was their weakness last season. And honestly, it's amazing because they'll spend an entire game letting things go and missing missing assignments. But then they were real opportunistic. And right when they needed it most, they would get an interception or a turnover or a pass deflection or whatever. But you need that consistently throughout the game. We're talking about a pass defense that allowed nearly 250 yards a game last season. That can't, I mean, like, that's not that's not great. That's not fantastic. It's not something you want to keep doing. You want to be in that top tier of pass defenses in the NFL. Now, they addressed it, bringing in a Cam Taylor, bringing in a Dax Hill. Happily, uh, Dylan's boy Jesse Bates got back there and yeah. signed on the tag and is ready to play. So, you know, they should be taking a step forward. But I think it needs to be a huge step forward. I think you need to see this week in and week out. But, but AJ, Eli Apple was the number one rated PFF corner, uh, according to the Bengals fans. So pro, why don't we just PFF go based on pro analyzed. football focus? Why doesn't that matter? And then a PFF analyst got fired. Because <laughs> that, that, that should never have happened. Eli Apple, Eli Apple is a momentary cornerback. What I mean by that is he's in the NFL for a reason. He understands how to play the game. He was once known as a very good cornerback coming into the NFL, and it took him from the Giants to the Saints 
to having a good squad and a good culture in Cincinnati to even be mentioned on this level. And more times than not, it's about what he's done wrong. So, no, I'm not saying he's horrible. I'm not saying he's bad. He has his moments. He plays his spots. But, again, the word I used throughout the whole first soliloquy was consistency. And that's not just a everything. It's not just a unit. It is also an individual. Please, please, Scroneck, what would you like to say? <laughs> Go ahead. I found out during my time here in, in, in Ohio um, why Bengals fans love Eli Apple so much. You know why? He was a big factor for that Ohio State football team. He was he was all over the place for Ohio State. Just figured that out? No, it's not, I didn't just figure that out. But I asked literally across people that I've met here in various locations, not saying where. I asked them about Joe Burrow. A lot of them played him in high school. A lot of people call him a dick. I'll be honest here. Not a lot of people from the area think Joe Burrow's real nice. Five straight people. Oh, Joe Burrow? Yeah. You like Apple? Joe Burrow, 72 nothing on us. Great quarterback, but an asshole. Like, everything about him is bad, right? Eli Apple, they're like, oh, there's everybody loves Eli Apple. He was big at Ohio State, won a lot of games for him, whatever. And then he goes to the Bengals, an Ohio team. Everybody loves Eli Apple because yeah. of that reason. But we also got to remember that those, those dick comments, asshole comments, some Ohio State fans are bitter at Joe Burrow because he left Ohio State. Remember that. That's It's not, mm-hmm. it's not just deep-rooted in he's an asshole, but he left Ohio <laughs> State to go to LSU and was quarterback Man. for one of the best teams in college football history and win the national title. That's fair. However, I will say one more point here. He said, Urban Meyer was on the sidelines before this, right? But the, buddy, the buddy I met said that he went to shake Burrow's hand after the game, and Burrow goes, nah, I got to talk to Urban, and walks off. Okay, that's not, nah. that's not, again. You shake, every, you shake everybody's hand that ever reached out to you? Look, I'm not going to judge Joe. Lines, whatever, and you go up and fake it and go, nah, I got to go talk to Urban. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge Joe Burrow based on somebody else's experience with Joe Burrow. That's not what I care about. But to the point of whether Bengal fans like Eli Apple or not, that has nothing to do with whether the man can play football. <laughs> like I'm again to AJ's point. When when I say Eli Apple, okay, I'm gonna be honest. Eli Apple, I'll say it. I'll say it. He, he is not a good corner. And you said he had good years in New York, and I watched him play the Dallas Cowboys. What? He get burned every game. Those and are not my Berman, words. You said he played well in New Orleans and New it York. Took, no, no, no. I said it took him. He, I said he was good coming into the league, and that's what people wanted. But he had to go through New York. Oh, okay. He had to go okay. through New Orleans. And okay. it took, yes. Okay. Sorry, then, no then, then let me clarify, because <laughs> he was not good in New York, and he was not good in New Orleans, no. and he went to the Raiders, and they didn't want him either. And, yes, did he at times last year have big moments? He absolutely did. That Tyreek Hill game, when, when they came back against the Chiefs, he absolutely stepped up. Kudos to him. He played a really good game for three and a half quarters in the Super Bowl. And guess what? When it mattered most, he got torched by Cooper Cup. I'm not trying to just pile on Eli Apple. This is a defensive issue within the entire system of the Cincinnati Bengals. They struggled in the secondary. We love guys like Chadobia Wouzier, who played out of his mind last year. But again, a guy mm-hmm. I know really well. I watched him at Colorado. I watched him at the Dallas Cowboys. He is a good corner, but he gets exposed at times. They have a solid defense with solid corners. They've added pieces to it with DJ Reader. I like what they've done. I still need to see it come to fruition on the field. I think the defense, that as good as they played last year, was more about momentum, hot, being streaky. And to replicate that is something that I still need to see throughout the course of a 17-game season. And that's all I'm really worried about with the Bengals. 
is they play in a tough AFC and they're going to have to duplicate that success on that side of the ball once again. Now, AJ, what exactly, outside of just the specifics of offense and defense, what specifically are you looking for? Um, maybe something that we haven't talked about. What are you looking for from this Bengals team that might be able to get them over that hump or create them uh, a situation where they can get to that next level and compete with the Kansas Cities and the Buffaloes that we think are always up? It's the, it's the, big, it's the big one that everyone's already paying attention to. It's the offensive line play. That was the thing that we looked at to see what this squad was going to be about it, it, it like it liken it to the chiefs two years ago losing in premier fashion to the bucks uh 20 pressures what i think it was like 20 or 40 person can't remember it was astronomical for a 29 Super Bowl. i think it was yeah right uh patrick mahomes running for his life and what do they do in the offseason they go out and spend so much money on the offensive line we've got a commodity back here we have to protect him the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. Honestly, wasn't sacked as much as you thought they would be in that Super Bowl after they were for every other game in the playoffs. Lose the Super Bowl. What do they do? They go out and they bring in a bunch of guys to help this offensive line. Now you are looking at protection for an elite-style quarterback, for a running back that we still know has a lot in the tank, just hit career-high numbers, uh, and a team that's loaded on offense that may allow uh, these this, this offense to step up to the level that Dylan was so shy to say the next one. Um, so that and the small one, that's just for fun. Uh, Jamar Chase, he's chasing Justin Jefferson and trying to do the things he's been doing. So I'm looking to see if he can put up back-to-back -back seasons with over over 1250 is what I'll say, even though I know he put up 14 last year. And if he can have double-digit touchdowns uh, again this season. And maybe can he get over 90 receptions? I'm talking like I want a huge year for him. I want a huge year for him. I know that's going to be tough. But I want to see if he's capable of doing that because that will really put him solidly in that top three conversation of wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, I think Jamar Chase is going to have a big have to have a big year in order for the Bengals to be successful. Um, we're taking a look at the schedule now, and we've talked about the AFC schedules in general just being being in a tough division. They're playing a tough division. How hard they can be. You see that the way they start the season is, is division opponent. Uh oh. Yeah. He's coming when back, guys. It's okay. Games here, Dylan. Yeah, you cut out. Dylan, they, start the, they start the schedule start. with division opponents, and okay, so it's it's a it's a tough schedule. Um, Dylan, what part of this schedule is going to make or break the Bengals season? Twelve through fifteen, weeks twelve through fifteen. Right, you can start the season. Yeah, division opponent, tough, tough, tough to start. Right, then you got New York, whatever. Like, you've got a couple games that are solid in there, right? You get your bye week out of the bye. you got Sunday night football in an environment in which me and you will be at, Aaron. Um, and then Tennessee is going to be a hell of a ball game. Uh, rematch, they're going to feel revenge there, right? Uh, Kansas City rematch, they're going to feel revenge. Cleveland, that, that's a Deshaun Watson game. Uh, Tampa Bay, that's tough. They're a good team. And, I mean, hell, even New England, Buffalo, ball, the, after the bye is hell week for them. There you go. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you there. That after that bye week, that that ending to that schedule is a pretty rough schedule. Um, but it, it's funny you you brought up the back end of that schedule because I had them struggling up front. I actually had them at the beginning of the season coming out of the gate a little bit slower, maybe a Super Bowl hangover, maybe not being able to duplicate some of those successes. I had them going three and three to start the season. I think that stretch when they go at Baltimore at New Orleans is extremely tough after playing Miami. So I have them losing their first three road games at Dallas, 
at Baltimore and at New Orleans, and then beating the Steelers, the Jets, and the Dolphins. Um, obviously coming back and beating the Falcons and the Browns. And then they start to, to pick up some wins there before that bye week. And I think that down the stretch will ultimately determine how good the team can be as far as how many wins they get. But I think it's going to be important for them to either tread water at early in the season, three and three, four and three, somewhere around there. You don't want to start one and three and, and then have to claw your way back and then have to go through that gauntlet of a stretch at the end of the season. AJ, anything stand out specifically on their schedule to you? No, uh, Dylan, he corrected himself when he said 15. I was like, I don't know how you're just going to look there and ignore Baltimore and Buffalo at the end. I don't know that this is a team that may have the look as talented as they are. I don't know if they're going to have the luxury of sitting people out in week 18 against Baltimore. You know, that might be a pretty big game. So you look and especially having Buffalo before that, if they're in a spot where they need to win in week 17 so they can sit people out week 18, we're up against Buffalo, which is probably one of the best teams in the NFL at that point, uh, you know, barring injury and everything we think is going to come to fruition with Josh Allen. So uh, I think after he fixed it and went all the way from the bye week to the end, even throwing Tennessee in there, um, that I think that's he's got it right. That's the stretch. Uh, they just need to stay again consistent. Last year there was a lot of up and down. You know, we one week we're talking about how great this team is. The next week we're watching them lose by be down by twenty one for the Chargers, come back and then still lose by twenty. So uh, consistency is the key. Consistency is the key. Okay, so um, we don't have the over under numbers. I'm going to just give you some over under numbers, and I want you to tell me over under. Joe Burrow, 4,700 passing yards over or under? We're going to go over. Dylan? We're going to go over. Oof. That's a good number. That's the point. <laughs> 46. What's that? Go under. 46. He goes under. Okay. Um, Joe Mixon, uh, say... Total yards, passing and rushing and receiving, let's say 1,500 over Ooh. under total yards. Passing and receiving. Or receiving and he's, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I didn't say that he did. Uh, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under. And I know he's going to have a great season, but uh, I think I think Chris Evans and Samaje may take a little bit of his work uh, in the passing oh. game. Dylan? They like Chris Evans down there, man. Yeah, that's that's a bad take, but I'll take the over here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I agree with the Chris Evans and Samaje P. Ryan take. Well, maybe, 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 it was, maybe that was preseason conversation. Samaje <laughs> P. Ryan's a shit burger. <laughs> okay, so Dylan has the over, AJ has the under. Jamar Chase over or under 1,500 receiving yards. Jesus, Murphy. He loves him. I think. Yeah. Was I going first? Yes, you're going first. I apologize. Uh, I, I looked away. Can you uh, give me the over-under again? 1,500 oh receiving yards. For Jamar Chase? Yep. Under. Last year he had 1,489 um, or 1,455, and yeah, he had, he had that huge 300-yard game or whatever. And exactly. Been kind of up and down. I, I think I think under's the, the thing there, too. All right, give me your record predictions. Uh, Dylan, go first. Give me your record prediction for the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals. Throw up that schedule one more time, big dog. (laughs) All right. I think this squad 
Don't kill me. Don't kill me. We'll kill like you. a prediction, man. Just... I think they're a they are a ten and seven football team. Ten and seven. Okay. AJ. That is impressive. That's exactly where I had them. Uh, I oh. have them at a ten and seven as well. Uh, and actually, I feel pretty good about that. So uh, I, I think that's where they slide in. They've got some. They got some hard games. They went ten and seven last year. I actually gonna. I can't believe I'm the one on here that's giving them credit. I think they're a better football team this year. I have them going eleven and six on the year. Um, I just think they they've gotten better uh, with the offensive line issues that they had last year and addressing that. Um, and then our power rankings. It looks like Dylan had them at twelve. AJ had them at seven. I'm gonna split somewhat of the difference. I have the Bengals. Oh man, the suspense is killing me. I can't wait to hear where he has them. We're, we are going to put the Cincinnati Bengals at number <laughs> 10 on our preseason power ranking. The Pittsburgh well Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh made the playoffs last year kind of a on a, on a whim. We we knew they weren't going to go far, but they made the they made the playoffs. Uh offensive side of the football, Dylan, I'm going to go with you on the Steelers side of the, what is the identity of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense 2021? Yeah, that's easy, Aaron. Come on now. Round and pound. Najee's the focus of that offense. It don't matter if Pickett, Mr. Baby Hand Pickett, it don't matter if Mr. Mitch Trubisky is a quarterback. It doesn't matter if Mason Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, is a quarterback. They're going to use Najee Harris out of the backfield. They're going to give him to him in a draw play like this. They're going to check down like you saw earlier. And Najee Harris is going to have his hands all over the ball. Now, you're going to have a lot of other weapons. You've got a, got a George Pickens there. you got a Claypool who's Mapletron, which you should know. He's from Canada. Um, Deontay Johnson, a great receiver out of the uh, a wide receiver there as well. They're a solid offense. And I do think that the number one priority to them, round and pound the football. From that, you'll figure out the rest of your offense. Uh, I know we've had conversations about this before, but – I have concerns about Najee's touches, and I don't think he gets as many touches as he had in 2022. He's already now come out and had the Liz Frank sprain. That might be something that lingers. We all know that Liz Frank injuries are not easy to come back from, and we don't know if that can compound into something that could be a Liz Frank tear or whatever. Uh, how concerned, maybe scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you with Najee Harris being able to stay healthy, getting the volume that you anticipate him getting? Me? Yes, you. Yes, you're me. the offense guy. Yeah, I'm the offense guy. Put my hard hat on. Who's this? Canada? Matt Canada? Um, yeah. You know, Najee Harris, Liz Franks are tough. We saw it in Corey Grant's career. We saw Travis Etienne deal with it. That's a serious injury. I do think that they are comfortable with who they have in, uh, behind him on the depth chart. But I think right now I could see a potential spot where they do use him a little bit less. But Mike Tomlin's a guy throughout the course of time. He's got his back. He uses his back. No matter who that back is, it could be LeGarrette Blunt, It could be Le'Veon Bell. It could be D'Angelo Williams. Or it could be James Conner. It doesn't matter who it is. He has that one back, and he gives him the football. That's who Najee Harris is. Until he has something catastrophic, which we saw with Bell, next man up, you're going to get the carries. That's how I feel the situation here is in, in Steelers country. But I do also think, Right now, with that injury that he's dealing with, it could be a long-term effect should he keep getting those bulk of carries he got last season. AJ, what we, we obviously think Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter. That Mike Tomlin hasn't announced it yet, but Trubisky played really well in that last preseason game. He got a lot of run. There was nothing he did to like 
give the job away. And Pickett played well, but I don't know if there was enough for Pickett to take the job from Mitch Trubisky. At, at this point, going into week one, if we if we assume it's Mitch Trubisky, when do we see Kenny Pickett, or what does Kenny Pickett have to do? What did you see from him in preseason that you think he's going to eventually be the starter? And when does that happen? This week? Oof. If it happens. Uh, I, and, uh, yeah, I, I feel like Mitch Trubisky, and I've said this a few times, he's going to have to Mitch it. He's going to have to Mitch it for Kenny Pickett to get in. I think they are going to lock in with Mitchell Trubisky being this, the guy, uh, being the starter, uh, and giving him a good shot. Uh, the, the thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers was while they were finally excited to spend elsewhere because they haven't had so much money tied up in the quarterback position, they still don't want to just go to a whole new regime. So to have this bridge quarterback who's been in the league, who's still young enough to kind of take some things over, uh, is kind of the is kind of the smartest move for them. So if I'm looking at a Kenny Pickett, we're not talking about injuries or anything. I'm I'm thinking we're getting into double digit weeks, you know, like before there's a before there's a call for Kenny Pickett, unless they just start like one and four or something, one and five, and Kenny Pickett comes in for a second half and just goes bananas or something. But uh, I think I think Mitch Trubisky has been pretty good for Kenny Pickett while he's been there. I think he actually learned something from Josh Allen that season uh, and is able to be putting it to the rookie. And I think once because once Kenny Pickett gets the job, there's no going back. And and I don't think there's no need to rush if he's not fully ready. And even though a lot of people in Pittsburgh will tell you he's more ready than they thought he was coming in. So uh, I would say it takes about double digits to get in there unless Mitch Trubisky just proves he is who I thought he was. Yeah, it's funny to me how each team we kind of talk about is different when they have situations like this. You're talking about a rookie quarterback that came out in preseason and shined. Like Kenny Pickett did everything he could do in the preseason to – to earn the job. We saw him be on time. We saw him be accurate. We saw him be able to move in the pocket. The baby hands gripped the football fine. He wasn't turning it over. And so you, you think about it, you're like, okay, you draft him at over, pick 20 overall. This is supposed to be your franchise guy. He played like that in the preseason. In your mind, you assume that's my franchise guy. That's the guy who's got next. That's the one that we're going to start with when we come out of the, when we come into week one. But then you look on the flip side and you see Mitch Trubisky and you're like, well, Mr. Trubisky has been a number one pick, played well, didn't do anything to lose the job, and we were anticipating Kenny Pickett to have to wait. I think this is the toughest position to be in as an organization, and we see how organizations are handling it differently, right? So I, I look for Kenny Pickett to eventually get this job, but I don't know if it's this year. I, I really don't know if it's this year. Um, I would assume – that at some point in time, if the Pittsburgh Steelers fall out of playoff contention, they would put Kenny Pickett in. But if Mitch Trubisky takes this team and they're going to the playoffs, I don't know how you take them out. I, I don't. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to at least push him in that direction. And I think Mitch Trubisky is good enough and has enough experience to kind of hold this job for a while, maybe double digit weeks, like you said. And that might just be because they're out of playoff contention at yeah. that point. Um, Dylan, yeah, that was a worst case scenario thought on my on my side yeah. with uh, him coming in that way. I Sorry, to mess believe. up your flow. <laughs> I still can't believe Tomlin has never gone under five hundred with the Steelers. That's why. Can he's a great coach. He is a Dylan. Great coach. What what do you see as like? What are you watching for from this Steelers team? You mentioned Najee, but what specifically are you watching for uh, from this Steelers football? Are you talking team in general or just offense? A team in general. I'm looking at how the linebacker group works. 
we mentioned uh, in the in the preseason or the preseason show about Devin Bush in his final year here, right? Uh, what what his or potentially his final year? They we all assume it's going to be that you bring in Miles Jack for competition. You bring in another linebacker they signed the other day. You have a lot of pieces uh, on this defense, especially the linebacking crew. I think that's one area you do look at. Um, which Devin Bush are you getting? Are you getting the guy that was a high motor his rookie year? You getting the guy that was a little bit timid after his injury last year? That's what I'm curious to see if he can play the way he did his rookie season. And if you can get that team back to where they did and you can tackle well at the linebacking position, I think with this division, you're seeing a lot of run from Baltimore, from Cleveland, uh, among others in this division. If you could tackle well at the linebacker position, you're going to be solid. And that's one area I look at with this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Yeah, you've mentioned Devin Bush a few times on this show um, about coming back and playing the way he did his rookie year. I don't know if I agree with it. I told you how I felt about the ACLs type stuff, severe or severe knee injuries or severe injuries in general and coming back from that. But I do see your point and as far as the defense there. But but AJ, what is the Steelers' biggest weakness on defense? Yeah, so it starts uh to me, I I knew two points that I have really pinpointed here. Uh firstly, I think about that run defense from last year. You know, we always talk about how good uh, the Steelers defense can be, but we're talking about a team that was giving up about 146 yards on the ground per game. You watch Rashad Penny and the Seattle Seahawks go for 160 at 6.1 yards a clip. Uh, and that's something that had to get better. That was a part of their downfall. Um, so that's one thing that has to get better. And I know Miles Jack helps that, but if, if Devin Bush isn't who we're hoping he can come back and be, that's going to be an issue. Um, and then the second thing I really look at is the cornerback depth. Uh, depth with a P, not like actual depth. But if any of the guys do die, and they don't have a lot of guys that you feel can slot in and really step up and be prepared to go uh, on a whim, you know that, and that puts a lot more on Mika Fitzpatrick. That doesn't allow him to do some of the things that they like to do. He was a guy that they used to try to help the run game uh, when they could, and if he's having to play back more to to make up for the sluggish cornerbacks because they've had injuries or something of that nature, well, then that's not something you're going to have the freedom to do. So uh, their depth worries me a little bit. I think they need to either make sure they're grooming these guys well during the season, or, I mean, maybe there, maybe there's somebody out there. I haven't looked at who's still left, but maybe there's a couple people out there that they may be able to add to uh, in this cornerback room just to give them a little bit of help. Yeah, you mentioned the depth. I- I'll be honest. I think Pittsburgh still has one of the best front sevens in the NFL. I think the Larry Ogunjobi signing was bigger than people even mentioned. Um, Tyson Alualu, and then you got Cam Hayward and TJ Watt on that front four. Like that's going to be people that can get to the quarterback that can stop the run. Uh, yeah. You add in a Miles Jack to be that that out or that inside linebacker uh, with Devin Bush, hopefully coming back from a, a, a knee injury, and then you have um, Alex Highsmith, who's probably the most inexperienced one there, but he still has talent. And then their back end is not bad, but they lack the depth. You've got a, one yeah. of the best safeties in football, Mika Fitzpatrick. Terrell Edmonds is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. But those outside corners, I worry about. With Joe Hayden, I worry about them um, because they 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 got the slot corner, and Cam Sutton played really, really well. I think Cam Sutton is good. The rush defense has to be a concern. You gave up the most rush yards last year, averaging almost five yards a carry, almost 2,500 yards on the ground, giving up last year's worst in the NFL. So, um I think the pieces are there, but the depth is not. They cannot afford injuries. When one guy goes out, it's going to change that entire defense. That is going to be key for them to make sure guys can stay healthy. And then, again, just that back end, solidifying those two outside corner spots in a division where you got to cover T. Higgins, got to cover Jamar Chase, 
You got to cover Rashad Bateman, and then obviously you got to cover uh, Amari Cooper in Cleveland, and who knows what happens with Deshaun Watson there. But so they, they probably get a break outside of Cincinnati with elite receivers. Most teams have them. Not a lot of teams in the North do, at least from coming at you from all angles. But those outside corner plays is probably my biggest concern for for the Steelers squad. But when you got a TJ Watt and you can get to the quarterback yep. the way they do, uh, you have a good chance to to at least offset some of that, some of those, some of those problems. So um, let's take a look at their schedule here. And again, this is a schedule very much similar to the Bengals, the teams that they're playing, the divisions that they have to play in the outside games. Um, this one to me is a little bit it's interesting because I don't. I don't look at games and say, okay, the Steelers are going to win this game, or the Steelers are going to lose. I don't know what the Steelers are right now. With that quarterback, yeah. with, with with this team, I, I'm not sure what they are. If if you had to look at one thing on the schedule, AJ, what what stands out to you the most? What area of the schedule are you like? This is what I'm looking for, and this is when I'll be able to tell the Steelers what type of team they are. Yeah, it's going to be really tough for uh, Mr. Mitch Trubisky because starting at week five uh, all the way down to week eight before the bye, going to that bye is tough. You, you're talking about two top teams in the AFC and the NFC, a Miami team that's now loaded. You talk about being worried about those corners. Now you have to go to Miami that's got Tyree Kill and, and Jalen uh, Waddell out there. That's going to hurt. And then even if you get something going coming back to Philly, uh, on their defensive side of the ball, and you have quarterback issues. If if Mitch Trubisky hasn't been playing up to par by then, and now you have to go see Philly bef- before that bye, look at that spot at Week Ten I was talking about. Right after their bye, might be the situation if they haven't played well that you start thinking about it. You start hearing that clamoring. So you know they come in, they start off hot with Cincinnati. You you got three winnable games with New England, Cleveland, and New York. But after that, those that next stretch right before the bye is really tough, and it's going to tell you a lot about Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, depending on how they decide to go with that, right before the bye, and then they come back and play the Saints. Okay, so let's do it. Uh, this is where it's going to head anyways. This is where it's going to go. At the bye week, let's say lost Bengals. Let's say they beat the Patriots. They beat Cleveland because no Deshaun. They beat the Jets. They're 3-1, and one, and they lose four straight. They're now 3-5. and five. They go to the bye week. Are they starting Mitch Trubisky? Or are they starting Kenny Pickett against the Saints? Ah, I need to see your face. It seems so perfect, right? And it's because that's always a situation. You start to think about the bye week. Now you have an extra week to get them ready. And maybe it's something where they take a serious look at it and then come back to a decision. Maybe they don't go into the bye week and say, Kenny, you're our guy. You're going to step in you. week 10 be ready. That's I understand. I I'm you. trying to work it out. In the week, who do they start? Now your hits. It's 54 on the clock. I, if, if, they're, if, if they lose all those straight, I think I go to Kenny Pickett. I think I go to Kenny Pickett. Yeah, like, we drafted him in the first round. You really enjoyed him in the preseason. Do it. Why not? I'm glad AJ got to that decision because I'm thinking the same thing. If you get If you get waxed in those games, that's when you make the decision. Now, maybe you win that Philly game. You win that Philly game going to your bye week with a win. Trubisky goes out. But you got to also understand, it's a rivalry game. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati hate the living hell out of each other. That's a Pittsburgh Steeler home game on Sunday night football week 11. You think that Kenny Pickett's going to be ready for that? Then you go to Indy. Indy's a tough environment for prime time. That's a tough one. I don't know. I don't know if I'd start the kid. I think if you start the kid, it's at Atlanta. so, well that, so this is where I was going to get you. This is why I wanted you guys to answer that question. Is because coming out of the bye week, you got to go against the Saints. That Saints defense is one of the best in football. 
Then you go against the defending AFC champion. And then you go at Indianapolis. That's not an easy stretch for Kenny Pickett to come in. So two of them are prime time, too. I thought the best situation would be against a weak team like Atlanta. This is why I think week 13 would be the spot if they're in bad, they're running bad, would be at Atlanta on the road against a team that's not going to have any fans in the stands because they suck. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to knock on Atlanta, but let's be honest, I don't think they're going to be very good this year. You come back home against Baltimore, which is tough, but you're at home. And then on the road against Carolina, who's, I know that we think they're going to be better with Baker, but they're probably still one of the weaker teams on your schedule. Oh, so I think that's the spot if he gets in at all. If not, I don't see him getting in. And to be honest, the more I look at it, I don't know that I would put him in. But in this, so, but, and I'm with you, I'm with you on all that. But in this scenario, where you just watch Mitch Trubisky shit the bed for four or five straight weeks. I said lose. To a bye. I said lose, yeah, well, not necessarily shit the bed. All right, well, Dylan at least said shit the bed because he was talking about him getting waxed. And I'm thinking if Kenny Pickett is even in the conversation, it wasn't Mitch Trubisky was carrying him that close and it just didn't, just didn't went out. But then you still think about it. If he's coming back after that bye, are you still confident that he's going to be able to go up against the best defenses in the league? Not about at that. that point, maybe you maybe you want that switch. You want that energy. That energy. Maybe you want that that in, influx uh, infusion of the new guy, the fiery guy who comes in. You've been waiting to see him anyways. It, I think this is the risk you run, and, and it does depend on how Mitch Trubisky plays because you can lose those four games against really good teams, and Mitch Trubisky right. played fine. Um, and right. then I don't think you're even talking having the conversation. But right. say he does play bad. The, the, the only risk you really run of bringing in Kenny Pickett is if it looks like total crap. Because yeah. then what starts creeping into that locker room? Did you make the right pick? Malik Willis, man, he balled out in preseason. Maybe he should have been the guy. Like, <laughs> And that doubt, we don't know how Kenny Pickett reacts to yeah. that doubt, right? So you never want that to creep in. And I told you, when they have two quarterbacks on the team, the Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't like it. My thought process is you bring in a rookie and you draft them high, that's your net future guy. Put his ass in the game starting week one and let him figure it out. Because there's no debate. Not, oh, is it my team? Is it somebody else's team? If Mitch plays good, does he stay on the field? You don't have to worry about none of that. Put him on the field, right. say, go earn your job. You have all of this year. You have all of next year. And if you don't work out after that, bye-bye. We'll move on we to know somebody. What we're doing. Yeah. Um, I just worry about that because you never know how somebody will react to that mentally. So, uh, But I do think that range, 11 to 13, to 15, somewhere in that aspect. If, if the Pittsburgh Steelers are out of it, I think you go and you find um, Kenny Pickett conversations start to pick up there. Um, let's get, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do the prop bets for the Steelers, there's not much prop bets. I did wanna talk about one player really quickly uh, that we didn't mention. AJ, talk a little bit about Deontay Johnson and what you expect from this him this year. Instead of, instead of doing an over under, what do you expect from Deontay Johnson with the shifting quarterback, knowing that he was supposed to be the number one wide receiver? Yeah, uh, this is going to sound stupid. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried he gets planted as the number one, um, not because of his talent, not because of, you know, his usage. I just think some some more exciting people are going to step up, and now you just have a safety in a Deontay Johnson who can be a very good 1B. And it may not last a lot. It may last in pockets. He may have those games. This wide receiver group is really good is the thing. You know, Deontay Johnson has shown what he can do for years and years out. We are starting to see the talent that George Pickens has when he's healthy, and we're expecting it to keep going up. And Claypool has been has been uh, immature, right? Claypool has not been what we expected him to be from that first couple stints of exciting and for whatever three or four game stretch. 
but they keep talking about his play and how it keeps improving week in and week out. He's still talented. It just has not come to fruition. So looking at these guys, I know Deontay Johnson's coming in there as the number one, but if George Pickens can step up to what we think he's going to be, I think he starts to get a lot more looks. Uh, I think that Claypool is going to try to make himself a solid option in that offense. You look around the league, they're looking for these three top wide receivers that can get the ball at any point in time. And I do believe in Pittsburgh, they feel they have three of them. And that may spread the ball out a little bit more. Yeah, I don't buy it. Um, I, I think I think everybody's <laughs> exactly jumping on the say. George Pickens hype train, and I think that's great and all. But he is, I think he's a, I think he's it's, so far behind Deontay Johnson right now. It's not funny. And Claypool has never touched Deontay Johnson, and they just paid Deontay Johnson. Uh, I don't think there's any debate on who the number one is there, but I do think there's a debate on who the number two is. I Mitch think there's Trubisky, a, Mitch Trubisky made Taylor Gabriel look good. I it, well, first of all, Deontay Johnson Taylor actually Gabriel fits the skill set that I think benefits those guys the most because he's the one who runs the routes. George Pickens and those guys are big play guys. Chase Claypool's a big play guy. Um, I think that I think that Deontay Johnson fits well in any offense, but yeah, I would be looking for George Pickens to supplant Chase Claypool. I think Chase Claypool's on his way out in Pittsburgh. I think it's his last season, and I think you'll see the, the writing on the wall this year. He'll play a part because they need three guys, but I do think that you'll see George Pickens on the field a lot more and Chase Claypool will start to lose snaps to a very big and physical receiver that's just like Claypool, but with a different attitude and work ethic. And I think that's what you'll see that'll be different for for the Steelers' um, offense, at least. Um, We didn't do record predictions. I will give you my record prediction first. Let me get my... uh, Handy dandy. You know what it is. (laughs) Handy dandy paper. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't have them winning many games. Mike Tomlin falls under 500, and I told you I was is tricking me because I don't really know if I believe it in my soul. I have them going six and 11 and I don't you like kept that, huh? I did. I'm keeping it and I don't love it. Wow. It's okay. But hey, something about the quarterback play bothers me. Not Mitch, just not sure. And it bothers me that Oof. I'm picking six and 11, but it bothers me to go over that many games in that division. When I think Oof. two or three teams are better. Than That's tough. That's tough. I, I, I could even even if I didn't put Tomlin over 500, I couldn't go as low as six. Like that that just that just hurts my soul. Uh, I I have Tomlin doing it again, 15 years in a row over 500. Uh, I have him at nine and eight. Uh, I I think they're gonna eke out some games. I do, and uh, if Kenny Pickett even gets in there later in the season. He'll get himself too, you know. <laughs> I don't, I don't knock you. Games. Like it's easy to say nine and eight and be like, "Yeah, I'm good," because I know Tom is going to do it, and he probably yeah. will. But that streak will end sometime. Yes, that streak will. That streak as they that, go eight nine. That streak will end sometime. They thought it was going to end last year, and I was like, if he if he made it happen with that team and take them to the playoffs, he, he's mean, probably at the end bro. of the day they still had big. <laughs> at the end of the day they still had Big Ben, and I know he didn't play well, but that was a veteran quarterback. He won big games is a good leader. I don't know mm-hmm. that they have that anymore. Especially don't. on the offensive side of the You people. don't know? Nah, they don't, bruh. They don't. Okay, bruh. So what is your record, Dylan? I said 8-9. Eight 8-9, nine. Eight, nine. okay. Oh, oh, sorry. We didn't hear you talking over people. <laughs> yeah, I know. We didn't hear you waiting for okay. you. So, um, power rankings here. I'll, I'll be honest. Obviously, I have lowest. Uh, AJ, you had them at 20. Dylan, you had them at 18. I'm pretty sure I have them at 24. 
And mm-hmm. I'm going to lock him in at 24, but only because I know our 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 are already <laughs> taken. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure those are taken. So I will lock him in at 24. And if we need to adjust it, we will. But we're going to lock in Pittsburgh Steelers at number 24 at our preseason power. That's it, folks. Wow. That's it. Wow. We're done. That's it. Hour and three minutes. Um, Vinny never does it in an hour and three minutes. Usually it's an hour and 15. So, Vinny, I did it again. Um, it's just what we do when you're not here. We actually get on time. <laughs> he's on the uh, PIL. Yeah, he's on, Yeah, he's probably sleeping in the car or something. But anyways, tomorrow it's Friday. Tomorrow it's Friday. We have another show. Beautiful. Wait. Yeah, we have one more show. Wait. Tomorrow's yeah, Friday, we're... dumbass. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow's That's Friday. That's not the question. <laughs> Whoa. We have, I'm just making sure we recorded one more show. I want to give people the teams that we're breaking down. We are breaking down the 49ers and the Bears. And then we only have two shows left after that, guys. We have Saints and Falcons and Bills and Rams. Um, mm. for, Monday and, for, for Monday and Tuesday. And then uh, then, we're, then we're going predictions, season predictions, Super Bowl champs, breaking it all down, fantasy drafts next week. We're getting it in. Sac City Podcast is the place to be. AJ, what do you got to say? Hey, so uh, there was a very special person we all know and love that wants in on our prediction show. Uh, maybe, maybe on camera, uh, but definitely at least with his answers. And, uh, oh, I, mean, I feel like, you know, it's, a, it's somebody from full sale, you know, I had dinner with him earlier and, uh, you know, we were just talking about my new endeavors and, you know, he, he's later on in the year. Uh, one of the final teachers, uh, final professors you see, uh, it's very interested to see about what our predictions are and would love to have his predictions on the record as well. I don't even know who you're talking about. It's Mr. Tuck. No, it's not Mr. Tuck. It's Mr. Barron. Mr. Rishi. Rishi. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me talk to some people. Hold on, Rishi, man. I'm going to clip this too and see me too. Rishi, (laughs) you are always allowed on the Sac City podcast. You don't have to hide. You don't have to send messages through the little stork, AJ. You can come on the Sac City podcast. Top notch, homie. Debate with me anytime you think your record predictions are going to beat mine. We all know that ain't going to happen. Everybody on this show, everybody on this show knows who's dominating. We all know it. Without question. Anyway, but listen, just make sure you head over to all of our wonderful social platforms. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Make sure you hit that like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. We are trying to get on the push for a thousand. Monetize this monetize it let's do it uh yeah cool. podcast I feel like you're underwater. all the love thank you for the 500 subscribers we have and thank you to the 500 we're about to add and then the 15,000 million whatever infinity is our you know we're and infinity, beyond, beyond. <laughs> and all those other guys that want to follow the sex city pod be sure to tell somebody tell your friends hit us up on facebook twitter instagram youtube and the TikTok where we got all our special videos and uh, that's it, man, for uh, for old Stroneck. Welcome back to the show, Stroneck. Dylan Church, Blue Voice of Sportscasting. He is AJ Johnson. Yeah, boy. I am me. I'm Aaron, the Mukesaya. And uh, yeah, we will see you uh, tomorrow. Am I going to say peace out? Peace yeah. out. Shout out, Porto. Holla. Bye. <laughs>
call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> How was that for some top-tier NFL content? If you enjoyed that episode, go ahead and hit that follow button before you go. And don't forget to check us out on your favorite social media platform at Sac City Pod. Welcome to the city.